Welcome to the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode number 74. I'm your host, Brian. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. On this particular podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of on-duty law enforcement officers and concealed carriers to give you both angles of discussion. Tonight, my guest, which I am proud to announce, I finally got John Hearn. John Hearn is coming on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know, frequent guest on Lee Weems' podcast. Uh, I finally got to, got him to carve out some time for the Off Duty On Duty podcast, and I'm excited about it. And we're going to talk human performance. But first, this episode's brought to you by Excess Sites, title sponsor of the podcast, CCWSafe.com. Save 10% off your membership by entering code Off Duty 10 at checkout. EDC Belt Company, EDCBeltCo.com. Reminder, Guardian Conference is right around the corner. It's in September. September's coming in on us real fast. Early bird pricing is still in effect. And also, you're going to need to uh, sign up for the Concealed Carry Podcast Giveaway. The links are in the show notes, people. As always, last week, Ken W. won a pack of 9mm ammo. And uh, next week, the prize is Draw Like a Pro, the online course. Don't even have to leave your living room. Just make sure uh, you, you know, you unload your pistol first. I know a couple, uh, maybe a couple of retired cops that bought a TV or two uh, when uh, dry practice wasn't dry. We will withhold the names to protect the innocent. Uh, Not that I'm condoning that behavior or making uh, light of it, but... It's a thing, right? So, dummy ammo, and also you got to sign up weekly for that podcast giveaway. Uh, and all of my links are in the show notes. You guys, you guys and gals know this at this point, right? All right, let's bring in our guest. Welcome to the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, John Hearn, who, uh, as much as it pains to say me has been on Lee Weems podcast multiple times. And I was, we were finally able to carve out a time and it is my great pleasure to introduce you as the first time, a first time guest on the off duty on duty podcast. So hi, John, welcome to go ahead. I appreciate that. I like to think that I was the foundation that Lee is building his podcast off of, you know, you take any guest you can get to begin with, and then you can kind of discard the human trash as you, as you get better and better guests. So I like to think that I was his, his, his first steps, his anchor as he's on anchor or whatever. But also I talked to Lee today and Lee, I think, I think, uh, John here's legs are getting awful strong from carrying your podcast. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That's, I would only, I only say that cause Lee's a friend of mine. No, but, uh, but obviously you, you've, you've been on his podcast several times and I always enjoyed it when you were on his and I finally got to steal you away for a minute. So, so tell me a, a little, we're going to talk human performance in a minute. Tell me a little bit about like you and human performance. We talked pre-show a little bit about that, but so I, I like to explain this. I have like this weird dual career thing going on. Um, 
depending on how far back you go, I started in public and safety in 86, became law enforcement officer in 92. Uh, the same time I was in graduate school. Um, and, you know, graduate school was important for me. I don't use that much of the actual knowledge I gained in graduate schools, but the tools of graduate school were huge. That ability to access the academic mind, the scholarly research, to be able to, to re- go from article to article, uh, to kind of think and formulate was was hugely important. So I, uh, my original plan was I was going to go ahead and get a PhD and work as a cop part-time. I uh, went out and spent four years working the Las Vegas metro area and just had an absolute good time. And it occurred to me that I always could go get go back to school later, but this was really fun, right? So I ended up staying in law enforcement. Um, I'm a little bit over 20 years full-time now. Um, You know, (laughs) as we were jokingly saying, you know, eligible to retire, but not able to do so, that kind of a thing. (laughs) And I've I've been speaking and doing research projects over the years. So, you know, one of my big mentors was Tom Givens. Uh, I think the first big lecture I did was on New Hall in 2005. And uh, when we took TACCON out to Tulsa, like you realize that this year is the 25th anniversary of uh FBI Miami. And I'm like, well, that, that that's interesting. I didn't know that. He goes, Well, you're doing a talk on it. And you know, Tom's the man, he's the boss. When you get marching orders, you get marching orders. So, you know, um, same process, go out there, read everything I possibly can, formulate this stuff together. Uh, that was one of my talks. And I would occasionally hit, you know, I'd find something that interests me, dig into it for a while, throw something together for TACCON or some of the other venues I've spoken at. Um and eventually I got to this issue of human performance. And as we were speaking earlier, um, I had read a lot of the popular works, whether it was Grossman or Siddle. And I'd also been working in law enforcement since 92. And I, everything I was reading in the book was not necessarily gelling with what I had actually experienced in the real world. You know, I, I had seen my front sight super crisp and clear with about eight pounds on a 12 pound trigger at once. And, you know, yeah. I saw the, the, the hammer moving back and I literally had the thought, I'm like, dumbass, focus on the front sight and right. very sharply transition to that. Right. So, I mean, I could, you know, I was under a good bit of stress and I was able to do it. So I started digging into the research, uh, started out probably a really good starting point was Lawrence Gonzalez's deep survival. And from there, I just opened up this whole world. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be close to a, a major university yeah. And, you know, once you get into the library, all the articles are free. You know, if you try to go through Google, you have to pay for scholarly articles. But if you go to the library, they're all free. Well, so I literally just started reading. I would know? like to add that I obtained from Lee Weems podcast and now it is official. You're the only guy I know with a library card. So. <laughs> so that's I did you know, that, uh, you know, library card for a major university library comes in really, really handy. Um, but I literally just started reading and, and found more and more stuff. That's what frustrated me was it's like there, I found this huge body of knowledge out there that's largely kept within the realm of academia, uh, hidden behind jargon and stuff like that. And I was just very frustrated. I'm like, this is really good information. Somebody needs to get this out to the public. And I kept looking around and I eventually realized that someone was going to be me. I thought I started out with like a four hour version of the talk. And now depending on how it runs with audience question, it's like an, you know, an eight to nine hour marathon session, uh, you know, looking at, you know, human performance the, the lecture is called who wins, who loses and why. And it's a, a combination of the human performance stuff combined with just a lot of, you know, myth busting and, you know, relevant research for people who carry guns for a living. Well, one of the things that intrigued me was, you know, I don't, I have no background in academia, but for me, the, like the, 
the paradigm shift was, uh, you know, as a firearms instructor and a high level shooter. And I, I, I don't say that to like break my arm, patting myself on the back, but I feel like I'm a pretty, pretty high level shooter, uh, was what I taught versus what I did. And, and I mean that in the, the context of there are fundamentals and depending on who you talk to and where it comes from. And I would go into real world scenarios or, you know, actual operational stuff and what I taught versus what I did was very different, not different in the, it, it broke boundaries or anything like that. It was just, Hey, how I do this operationally versus how it's been taught for a hundred years. Now they're, they're vastly different. And I started diving into the performance side. And what I found was in the sports realm, professional sports realm, those people were very in tune with how the body works sub in the subconscious mindset or, or the subconscious set of tools, right. Uh, and how they train the subconscious mind to perform under vast amounts of stress. Right. So that's kind of where it, like it opened up to me. And when I started, you know, diving into who is John Hearn and what does he do? I started seeing, oh, okay, he takes the very academic perspective of this is what you've heard and this is the reality of how people perform. So let's talk human performance a bit more, so to speak. Okay. And I would just, you know, I'll just start there real quickly. I think that, you know, part of what makes my stuff work and to the extent it does is that number one, I, I can convert it to plain English. I only use jargon when it's absolutely necessary. Okay. Uh, I can explain this without, you know, talking about hypothalamuses and particular activating systems because that just makes people zone out, you know? Right. Um, so I like, and I, I like to think I'm halfway entertaining. So, you know, I, when most people hear an eight, eight to nine hour lecture, like, Oh my God, just shoot me now. But you know, <laughs> it's, it's mostly painless as I've got a lot of people that can testify now. And that's the who wins, who loses, and why. So generally, um, a good way to think about it is uh, like a four. I'm familiar with that idea of a four square table. Like on one side of the table, I've got two options, and on one side of the other table. And a lot of times, the people that that win are people who have a very high level of emotional control and a very high level of skill. The people that lose are the people with a low level of emotional control and a low level of skill. And then you got to remember, we have a huge amount of people in the middle. You know, you have a lot of these guys that kind of survive because they suck less than their opponents. Right. So you've got that huge middle ground um, of people who have, you know, some emotional control and some emotional, I'm sorry, level of skill, but they bring enough of those two things to kind of, you know, win the fight for lack of a better word. So, um, you know, losing is just a matter of not having the emotional control to apply what little bit of skill you have. Uh, would probably be a pretty good summary of, of who loses. I like that emotional control. You're the first person that's brought that to the table as far as um, shooting skills or personal defense skills has brought up in, in the law enforcement realm of things. Emotional control is exceptionally important, right? So I would say that I'm not the first one to bring it because uh, in my mind, emotional control uh, directly correlates to one of Jeff Cooper's principles of personal defense. You know, he called it coolness, right? And what we're talking about, and I can't remember what this podcast is is rated, you know, language-wise, but it's basically that ability to keep your feces coagulated, right? 
<laughs> and um, I got you. Yeah, keep your shit. Yeah, you know, keep your craft together. The person that can do that, you can have somebody that doesn't have a whole lot of skill. Let's say that, like on a scale of zero to a hundred, right? You can have somebody that only maybe has fifty skill points, but they're really, really cool and can apply that when the world's falling apart around them. Well, that's a dangerous person, as opposed to the person that has a hundred, you know, points of skill but cannot, you know, gets ramped up, loses control of himself in the situation and all that stuff flies out the window. So, you know, that emotional control, coolness, you know, people have expressed it in different ways. Um, you know, another, uh, I think it's a, a quote attributed to Wyatt Earp about taking your time quickly. That in, in my mind is another expression of emotional control. So it's been um, touched on here and there, but I think probably one of the first people to maybe use that term, but the, the concept, the idea of its importance has been out there for a long time. I can appreciate that because uh, especially, and I always relate everything back to the law enforcement realm, right? And I, as I'm sure you probably do to some degree is, you know, when there's a situation and things are falling apart, you would always kind of default to the dudes that were, okay, there could be gunfire and they're like, well, I haven't finished my Lee Weems, my Brahms ice cream yet. Let me, let, let's just see how this plays out. You know, the, the person that had a really cool head as things were digressing was all, were always the people you wanted to be around when things digressed. Right. I've never summarized that as emotional control. It was always just like, Hey, who's the coolest head here. All right. You make the decisions and we'll execute. Right. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, the problem is that does not come with rank. No, <laughs> it's just not with that. It, um, it, it may in fact be inversely related to rank. That's all I'm, I'm hypothetically throwing out there. Um, so, you know, you have to remember is that panic spreads quickly and calm spreads quickly. And you need to anchor yourself around the guys that are remaining calm because you'll, 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 that's contagious. You know, panic is contagion. Calm is contagious. So anchoring yourself with someone who has that emotional control, who maybe just naturally is not wired to get spun up. You know, they have a natural, you know, uh, we call it their state anxiety and trade anxiety. You know, state anxiety is kind of like how you're doing today, maybe this week. Uh, trade anxiety is more of a genetic thing. You just, some people are just wired tighter. They don't get excited as, as earlier. You know, that's why there's, uh, they have selection process for high-end military units. They're looking for people with certain particular traits. And that whole selection process is, is you know, trying to figure out who those are. You know, there's a, uh, a great running joke, you know, you know, how will you know if somebody's a Navy SEAL? Well, you know, don't worry, they'll tell you, right? But, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things that the, the SEALs have been very open about is that whole selection process. And, you know, we think about Hell Week and, you know, just the, you know, horrible conditions sitting out in the water and freezing and stuff like that. But, you know, according to them, you know, the other big screen out is pool comp where they, you know, they've trained you to perform a certain amount of skills with a very outdated set of, you know, scuba gear. And then they put you in the um, pool where you're literally going to drown if you screw this thing up and they're going to sit there and deliberately try to foul your gear. And your only job is to sit there and run the calm, emotional troubleshooting process that you have. And some people are more easily able to do that uh, than others. And some people simply can't do it. And you know, that's kind of the advantage of having such a, you know, I guess draconian kind of screen out process is that by the time you get through that pipeline, you've pretty much got the guys that have the emotional control. You have the guys that have, you know, a high level of, you know, natural gifting in the athletic department. We can call that, you know, high levels of kinesthetic intelligence. I mean, that's, that's why it's called a selection process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, this guy never 
I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not, but I had a partner in patrol years ago when I was working graveyards in the, like the most violent area of the city. And, uh, he was the guy that if he was in a car chase, he sounded like he was at a bar ordering a beer, you know? And, uh, Mike, if you, if you listen to the podcast, thanks for that. And it, it always had a really profound impact. We could be, you know, in the midst of a hail of gunfire and he'd be the guy on the radio going, all right, guys, just you go over here, you go over here and let's, let's think through this problem. Um, and I always gravitated to people like that, um, that, and subconsciously, because I never thought that was a, like a thing. Right. But, uh, but the older I got, the more I look back on that and go, man, that guy had he was wired tight. He could be like, yeah, well, I was shot in the arm. It's cool. Let, here's a tourniquet. Let's move on. <laughs> you know, that, that degree of, of being able to think under pressure, but I never summarized that as emotional control, but that makes a ton of sense, which is, uh, why you're a guest on the podcast and not maybe somebody that's chaotic. Right. But under conditions of stress, is there a way to condition yourself to have that emotional control? Yeah, so I think that was, you know, because I read Gonzalez and he said that, you know, 10 to 20% of the, the, the population are natural survivors. And I'm like, well, that's good, but what about like necessarily the rest of us? And that's where training, that this is definitely the realm of training. And again, to, you know, to quote Jeff Cooper, uh, Cooper said, you know, uh, the purpose of training is to turn non copers into copers, right? So it's not an immediate process. But for instance, just the process of learning a set of skills, you know, I think of it as a pyramid, you have a, a base of skill and all that. Once you have that base of skill, you have confidence and confidence leads to coolness, right? So they become a, either a, you know, kind of a self-fulfilling spiral that goes up or a self-fulfilling spiral that goes down. So again, you know, I, I don't have any um, microwave recipes here for you or anything like that. But, you know, in the realm that we're working in is like develop a robust set of skills, you know, whether it's manipulation of a pistol or a long gun or stuff like that, um, figure out the situations in which you're going to have to use it. That is, you know, build your mental maps and, you know, again, expose yourself to, to novel situations. So it's not a shock to your psyche. And that, that gets you way, way down the road as far as being able to handle these problems. The, the one thing that I, have really spent a lot of time on with, uh, the great colonel's wisdom is the combat triad, right? Uh, I, I haven't found anything better that I can overlay onto any type of uh, situation where gunplay is involved and have a set of standards or a, a format. And I mean, I can overlay that on officer involved shootings or civilian defensive shootings, et cetera. But you know, mindset marksmanship and gun handling right and that is like the perfect template for where things went right or where things went wrong so and uh you were a student of colonel cooper's i i presume right yeah i actually uh i was incredibly fortunate um i don't know if i was the last person to earn an e-ticket with the colonel's signature, but I know I'm one of the last people to have earned an e-ticket with the colonel's signature. And again, uh, I, I did the class with them. I actually corresponded with them. Uh, I've got, if you look, you know, I guess we are not doing a video feed, but like a lot of the books behind me are his. And what was really funny, just as a, as a sidebar here, you know, I, I you know, I, this 
talk has been ever evolving and, you know, the first couple of years were rough and it's always getting better. But I finally came up with like this really cool, spoofy infographic kind of thing that explains everything. And, you know, Chuck, to be fair, Chuck Haggard and Claude Werner helped me kind of hammer this thing out. And after everything's done and I'm like sitting back, smoking my cigar, sipping my bourbon going, wow, I'm really proud of that. It just, I had this light come on. You go, you just restated the combat triad. <laughs> Funny how <laughs> that, that was works, my realization. I'm like, oh, well, crap. Okay. So again, you know, not really necessarily original ideas, perhaps, you know, different or better ways to express them as far as that goes. And that's really fascinated me in the last few years is it's like, why did I not pay more attention to this while I was burning through thousands of rounds of ammunition? Right. Um, that that wasn't the only thing I needed to pay attention to and teaching the armed populace or this i hate to say civilian that sounds so like demeaning but uh the gun-toting populace is i've kind of i like armed citizen armed citizen yeah even whether you're whether you're on duty or off you're an armed citizen right and and the but but teaching and interacting with the armed citizen is i go i can give you the marksmanship tools i can give you the gun handling tools the mindset is really difficult for me to convey to you. And one of the areas that I think law enforcement excels at is you get, com- you get stress inoculated to these situations that bring up the mindset, right? All of the other two are for not, if you don't have the mindset that a, you're going to come out victorious and B you're going to be confident in doing so. And you have to make these decisions beforehand <laughs> like oh yeah yeah so fights are one in the preparation that's just the ugly truth you know oh uh, i like that know, say when, that again i said fights are one in the preparation um yeah i'm, I'm telling uh, uh there used to be a great i think it's defunct now but you know craig douglas's forum um had some great smart people on it and the quote the actual quote i think it was is the only thing you have 100 of 100 control of in your fight is the preparation you put into it you know, whether you have a robust set of pistol skill, manipulation skills, shooting skills was determined in advance. Whether you've accepted that there's evil in the world and you may be the person who has to confront it was determined well in advance, you know, before you ever got on the parking lot or made the traffic stop. That's that's one area I think law enforcement kind of excels in. I think it fails, not fails, but it falls short in the gun handling and uh marksmanship side to some degree but the mindset side we we do a fairly good job of if not in training but in actual operational times immersing people into these situations where they have to they have to perform whether that be a physical confrontation or well not just that but you know part of it's just you know people live in such a, a state of denial it's hard to roll up on the scene where somebody's caught two forty fives in the back of the head, and then you know maybe go attend that dude's autopsy, and then like deny that there's not evil in the world, and there's a lot of people that walk around in huge denial that there are bad people out there, and that they may have to confront them. You know, for them, the gun is no different than a golf club. It's something they do on their weekends with their buddies, and they go and drink a few beers. It's not a piece of emergency life saving equipment for them because there are no emergency. You know, there are no emergencies that would require saving your life in the way they see the world. And, you know, again, the you know, law enforcement is great because you get exposed to that stuff. Uh, you get exposed to the tragedy 
And, uh, you know, I think God gives us admin weenies just to make us have to not choke the life out of certain people. You know, that, that's a certain form of stress inoculation. It's just nodding your head going, you know, yes, sir. And, you know, you know, trying not to visibly roll your eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you can say admin weenies. That's that's because <laughs> I am one. OK, you know, well, there's that. But. Uh, all right. So. <laughs> human performance and we've man we dove hard into colonel cooper's rabbit hole there for a bit the triad that that having those in balance seems to be a a pretty good form or a, a pretty good preparation for determining who wins right um i'm really fascinated to talk about this whole emotional control thing a little more people that have their emotions under control in a stressful situation are rare um and we, we kind of talked about, you know, like their selection processes for people that have that, uh, that inherent nature of, of having a lot of emotional control in chaotic situations. What can we do to, to maybe increase that on the, like the armed populist side, right? Or the, the armed citizen side, how do you, so, how do you develop yeah. that emotional control? Uh, so um, one of the things I've picked up in the research is that it's just kind of how the human mind responds to situations, you know, whether it, it stays in the rational mind or goes to the emotional mind. And you have to understand that the human mind absolutely hates what we call novel stimuli. You know, novel stimuli is something the, the, the person has not seen before and for which they don't have a, a really good frame of reference for. Right. So okay. the most important thing we can do is remove the novelty associated with criminal predation and violence. Uh, that's the number one. You know, um, the amount of officers that are killed every year, uh, feloniously murdered with a perfectly good gun in the holster and they never draw it, I find absolutely disturbing. Um, they have never created a parking space in their head for the idea that somebody may try to do violence to them and they may have to do violence to somebody else. So we have to make sure that violence is not shocking to us, I guess would be a good way to express shocking that. to and, the uh, conscience, I guess. Yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, it's well worth taking the, the 10 minutes to watch this. If you go and uh, type on YouTube, um, Lance Thomas justice files, you know, Lance Thomas was the watchmaker repairman out in uh, LA that got in a bunch of gunfights and they yeah. interviewed this guy and, you know, they, he talked about how he was able to perform well, didn't have any of the psychological trauma or anything like that. And when the, the, the dweebish reporter asked him why not, he's like, well, it wasn't a shock to my psyche, I think is the direct quote. So again, you know, YouTube exists for something other than cat videos, right? You know, um, you've got active self protection with John Korea. Uh, God help me for saying something, you know, nice about John. But, you know, if you have any doubts about what violence looks like, go watch his channel. There's plenty of, you know, there's an example every day. So the most important thing we can do is, you know, not be shocked when bad things happen to us to begin with. Uh, I would say that was like the first part of this journey. Uh, the second part of this journey is uh, to start to develop the mental maps we're going to need. Um, mental maps are kind of how you think reality is going to uh, unfold, right? So uh, if I was like going to be all convoluted, I'd say these are your, the schemas, you know, how you think the world works. Um, that's one of the things I try to do in the lectures. I don't use the term schema uh, because what is a schema? Well, a schema is a mental map. Well, Let's just call it a mental map because that's kind of a self-referring definition. So developing those mental maps are going to be the most important things 
you can do. You need to think about the situations that you're likely to encounter and go on and start figuring out what the solutions are going to be there for that. Right. So, you know, examples of that, you know, really good mental math development is actually um, uh, not shooting, you know, fast drills. Okay. Really good math development will be something like a video simulator, force on force training. Uh, Something that I think is going to be really big in the next five years is virtual reality. Uh, You know, I've been through some great fat system and they, you know, require a huge room. Uh, You know, they're 150, I think the unit we use is like $114,000, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, each gun you add to it is another $11,000. I mean, it's crazy. I think VR with like using a standard off the shelf Oculus headset is really going to uh, bust that world open and that you can literally, you know, you can get in three gunfights in the comfort of your living room in 15 minutes. I think that's, you know, that's less than five years out. So developing those mental maps is really the next important part. You know, we all want to focus on the gun skills because they're fun, but uh, I think it's to quote my friend, John Murphy, it's not about how to gun, but when to gun. You know, if you have, if you recognize danger is coming, most importantly, you cannot be there. And especially for the armed citizen, not being there is arguably one of the the best uh, solutions we have for that problem. But if you can see the problem, right, uh, you know, you walk out of the the grocery store at 1130 at night because there was that one item your wife absolutely had to have. Right. And uh, you saw Mookie and Ray Ray kind of perched up on the wall when you walked in. And when you walk out, you know, five minutes later. Uh, when you walk out, Mookie and Ray Ray suddenly both stand up off the wall and they start to plot an intercept course for you. That's what we call a clue, right? Right. And hopefully you have somewhere developed in your life what an armed robbery looks like. You know, you've watched active self-protection. You know what this means, right? So you've already created the mental map that says, hey, uh, can I just turn around and walk back into the store? Is that a good option? You know, so you've got to start to develop the scenarios in which you're actually going to need the skills, you know, knowing the scenarios and the likely circumstances under which you're going to need the skills is arguably going to be a much more you know, important thing than the actual necessarily skills you have. Now, you know, the problem with these is that they require um, putting your ego at risk. And that's something that a lot of people really, really don't like to do. Um, and, you know, this is not a, uh, an instant, you know, again, microwave recipe. This is something that's going to take some work to do. But, you know, that developing that mindset is, I think, almost like a two-part thing you know, or multiple part. But the big things are remove novelty and then start to build the mental maps that you're going to need uh, for the skills. Because, uh, you know, the skills are just there to support the mental maps that you're running. And the skills are only as good as the mental maps you have to implement them. So that, I would say those were the two big parts. But again, you know, um, when you get high levels of skill, that does mitigate some of the stress response. You know, it, it builds that, you know, that confidence, which gets to the coolness. So, you know, it's um, there. They're, uh, I express this in a Venn diagram where like little circles overlap and stuff like that, because one does affect the other to a certain degree. Yeah, I had uh, I had John Murphy on. Oh, man, it's been. I think it was back in December and one of the startling things for me was he talked about, you know, training armed, armed citizens and putting them through the process of calling nine one one. And that is something I had never, never one time, you know, being a, a professional trainer and a firearms instructor, all these things I had never thought, you know, what, what does that look, sound, feel, smell like? Um, and, and that was, like you said, one of those mental maps. Well, you know how many people have never picked up the phone and called 911 and said, this is where I'm at and this is what's going on. 
And yeah, and well, I mean, how do you verbalize that? Talking to dispatchers, you know, right? you, you kind of know the lingo. Yeah, one of the funniest things that ever happened was I called a big manufacturer. And I was talking about like an LE discount. And he's like, do you like, do I need to send you credentials or anything? He's like, no, did you talk like a cop? Right. Yeah. You knock on my front I, door. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, cause you can, you can tell a dispatcher on 911. Hey, I'm at the, the corner of walk and don't walk. You know, I've just been yeah. involved in a shooting. Uh, the bad guy is on the ground. I need EMS. Um, this is the officer. I'm an off duty officer. This is my description Okay, please relay that there's an off-duty officer on scene. Okay, because <laughs> my, my biggest concern is getting shot by responding officers. You know, my, my biggest nightmare is that when I provide a description of myself, that goes out as a suspect, right? Right. And you know, wh- knowing which points to to emphasize as far as all that goes, because uh, that that you know, getting shot by first responders is a is a huge deal. Um, and just as a, I don't know if this counts as shameless self promotion, I have a 45 minute block in there. Uh, on how not to get shot by first responders based off some great research that Tom Avini did, uh, where he looked at uh, what makes people shoot in ambiguous situations. Uh, just some fascinating research. I think that would be a great future podcast because I have had two, maybe three episodes now called how not to get shot by the cops. That, that was something that very early on I became really aware of is if you're standing in civilian clothes or sit armed citizen and uh, the police are coming you know, I work in a pretty large agency. There's a pretty good chance if I didn't train you in firearms in the academy or you didn't come through an overtime rotation in my unit, uh, we don't know each other, right? Um, well, and it, and it's, it's not something we're just talking about abstractly. You know, that guy that, you know, shot the guy that had killed the officer right out in Colorado last year and then, you know, picks up the rifle um, as a first responder getting there and ends up getting shot and killed by them. Yeah, um, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but, you know, as best I can tell, we there's that blue on blue that results in a death about at least once a year around the country. At least. And given yeah. and given how often, you know, handgun wounds don't kill people, you know, a 10 to one ratio is pretty good. So we hear about the ones where somebody dies. But if there's one where somebody dies, there were probably 10 more where somebody got shot and didn't die. Or so it's, a, it's a huge problem or somebody got shot at and missed. Now, I've, I've been aware of a couple of those, but, uh, you know, and, uh, the, the grace of God and bad marksmanship, everybody prevailed, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, that's not something I put in the wind column, you know, and, and that's something that like mental map again, what are you going to do after the, after the smoke's cleared and the good guys are coming? That's, that's something that's very, very hard to convey to, uh, yeah, you know, the the armed citizen. It, well, because for the armed citizen, as soon as you pull the trigger and the bad guy evaporates in a cloud of smoke from the incredible power of your handgun, the light, you know, the music starts and the lights come up, you know, because that's the end of the movie and everything's right. good. And that's just the mess is just beginning. But that's <laughs> only if you shoot a forty-five. If you shoot a nine, they run away. That's a lot of great information and too much to unpack in one episode. So we're going to have to uh, check with your 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 younglings, their schedule, and we're going to have to do this again. And I think we're going to have to talk about mental maps for the armed citizen. I think that's going to be on the horizon. If you don't get, if Lee Weems doesn't listen to this podcast and do it first, then we'll have to do it. Yeah. I've already floated uh, the idea for the next uh, show with Lee. Unfortunately, it's not about mental maps. Okay, perfect. See, then, then Lee and I will abuse you appropriately, apparently by your, your guest, uh, your guesthood. 
Uh, Did you not watch the last show with Eric Gelhouse? I was thoroughly abused in that episode. I can assure you. I did. And Eric uh, is a dear friend of mine now uh, via bulky because bulky knows everybody. And, and, you know, Eric and I are watch nerds too. So that's even worse, but, but yeah, I did uh, watch that, but man, a lot to unpack. So what we talked about human performance and what makes you lose and emotional control, mental maps. Uh, but what has John Hearn got on the horizon? What do you, what's in the, what's in the near future here? Uh, so as far as training and stuff like that goes, uh, we got TACCON coming up at the end of the month. I'll be Dallas uh, mm-hmm. for that. Um, that's been sold out forever. So you yeah. know, if you're thinking about TACCON 2023, you better buy tickets as soon as they become available because that's become quite the hot property. Uh, I'll be uh, jhearn.com is the, the the rough website I have up. that has a lot of my dates, but like I'm in Ohio okay. At the uh, the end of May, be, uh, beginning of June, I think it is, or I think I'm sorry, end of April, beginning of May. Uh, that's going to be the lecture combined with a class that I do called Cognitive Pistol with Tactical Anatomy. Um, I'm in Phoenix is the big show. I've got I'll be in Phoenix in August uh, doing a day on who wins, who loses, and why. Then a day on defeating violent actors. Uh, I'll actually be out at Mead Hall. I think I booked in there in November. Uh, later this year. So there's some other dates I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Uh, should be at the Royal range in uh, July in Nashville. So I've got the, the, the rough schedule up there as far as all that goes. So that's what uh, at least 2022 has got for me. Thanks, John Hearn. A reminder, if you haven't already subscribe on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, or if you'd like to listen to podcasts, a reminder, check out today's sponsors, excess site, ccwsafe.com. Off-duty team will get you 10 off your membership. EDC Belt Co., the Guardian Conference. Early bird pricing still going on, kids. And uh, sign up for that weekly podcast giveaway. Links are always in the show notes. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.